0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Abuse from the 573 Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well. Hope y'all aren't still too full from Thanksgiving last weekend. Hope y'all had a good time last week with Thanksgiving, with Black Friday shopping, with Cyber Monday, all in one week since we did our last pod. So hope y'all had a good last week with all that stuff going on. I know I sure did, so I hope y'all did as well. We got a lot to talk about this week. A lot has gone down thanks to college football with all the madness that has gone on with the coaching carousel. There's a lot to discuss here. We got some NFL, of course, to discuss. And we got some baseball to discuss. A couple big things happening in baseball with free agency moves, a couple players changing places. And we got to talk about the news that's happened last night with the MLB. And their CBA. So we'll talk about that here in a minute. House cleaning to get out of the way first. If you haven't yet, be sure to go check us out on Twitter. Go follow our Twitter account there at 573pods. Go check us out on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Apple, wherever you guys get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us there. Subscribe five stars on Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. Check out the entertainment pod on those platforms as well. Me and Peter were actually talking about this the other day is that we might have a few entertainment pods coming down the pipeline for you guys with all the stuff going on. You got all the stuff with No Way Home. Uh, and if you speaking of No Way Home, that that thing was taking place this weekend as well. So I hope you guys didn't have too much trouble trying to get your tickets if you did. I know I did. I had to wait a couple hours till I got mine. So hopefully you guys didn't have as much trouble as some other people did. If you did, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. I'm, there are probably several people around the world that uh, were with you with the way everything was crashing. With the, It was just madness. So we might have some pods coming out dealing with No Way Home in the in the meantime. Of course, we got Hawkeye out. We might talk about that here pretty soon. And just basic end of the year stuff. Talk about the movies for 2021. Talk about our thoughts there. We might get an update MCU rankings with uh, with all the shows and all the movies once No Way Home is finished. And, and we'll have to see when Hawkeye finishes up the week after. So we'll have to see. But be sure to keep an eye out on that channel. Alright, so with that being said, let's get right on to what's gone on the last week since we've talked. And let's start with the MLB. We're going to Major League Baseball first with free agency. We've had a lot of moves here take place over the last few days. And let's start off with the with a big one. Now, this is a one that everybody was talking about is you know Max Scherzer going to the New York Mets. Of course, the Mets, they lost Noah Syndergaard. He signed a one-year deal with the Angels. I don't know how Matt feels about that. But Scherzer, he goes to the Mets. He joins that rotation. And uh, the Mets have made a lot of moves. They've made a lot of moves there to their team. And Scherzer, of course, is, is the big one. and you have to wonder if the Mets are gearing up to try to make a run here. But you had a guy like Max Scherzer, at a talent like he is, add him behind Jake DeGrom. You got two awesome pitchers. I mean, if you're in the playoffs, you go into a divisional series, you got two of the best pitchers probably on your team. It's like, hey, go get us a couple wins here. And then we'll have a few games to win that third one. So, great signing there for the Mets. Uh, A couple other signings that took place. Robbie Ray, who had a really good year with the Blue Jays. And who won the AL Cy Young. He's going to the Mariners. So, uh, the Mariners think that that can carry over. His best year that he had last year. His best year ever in his career can hopefully carry over to their team in 2022. And Blue Jays were involved in a lot of stuff with somebody going to the Blue Jays and another person leaving the Blue Jays, Kevin Gosman who was with the Giants last year, really good pitcher. He's going over to the Blue Jays. So the Blue Jays replaced Robbie Ray with Gaussman. And the Blue Jays did lose somebody, though. Marcus Simeon, second baseman, signs a big seven-year contract. With the Rangers. But the Rangers were not done. They decided to splurge on the shortstop market. And take one of the prize shortstops off the market. In Corey Seager. Signing him to a huge, a humongous 10-year deal. To really solidify that middle infield in Texas. couple big gambles there from Texas. And really curious to see how this affects their team and if if they're going to be making any other moves later on. But yeah, a couple really big moves there by the Texas Rangers. And then the Detroit Tigers. They jump in on the shortstop market. There was talk about them getting Correa. I don't know if that's going to be done yet. I, I, you know, we still got the lockout. With, that just happened last night, but you have to wonder if they could still be in on trying to get Carlos Correa to come in and join in. But they signed Javier Baez to their team, so they get one of the premier shortstops in the game. And you can probably move him over to second base if they get Correa. But this is a huge move for a team that's looking to add some star veteran pieces to their team. And uh, try to get things moving forward. So there's just a few of the moves that have happened in the in the last few days. Of course, there have been several more that have taken place. But uh, those are just a few of the standout moves that I've taken notice of that could be really big for some of these teams going forward. But we're going to have to wait a little bit. Because now, everything is on pause. with the mlb with you know, with the players union with everything with what all they've been doing and trying to get a deal done everything's on pause as of last night no agreement was has been made and we're now in a lockout situation it is kind of funny to see that in my lifetime to see all three of the major sports leagues with the NFL, with the NBA and the MLB have lockouts. Although with the MLB, it is good that they're in the off season. It just halts the off season activities. If it goes into the season, then there's a problem. But it is kind of fascinating to see the three major sports leagues in my lifetime have lockouts. And like within the last ten years, you think about it, it's been it it's been a long time, you know, since we've had a lockout like this. So, and it's been a long time since there's been a lockout in the MOB. I mean, it's been 26 years since the last one. And whenever I hear people talk about it, they talk about like how really it affected the league for the next few years and not in a good way. And,. The best thing about this is that again, it's in the off season, so you're not worried about games. You're just worried about, you know, free agency, the off season in general, players signing contracts, all that stuff. I think that was a big point for Serger. I saw an article come out today where, like, he was talking about with the CBA coming up. It was a big point of emphasis to get this deal done. So he didn't have to worry about it once the lockout happened. So we're in the lockout with the MLB and we're gonna see how long it takes and see if these two sides can come to terms on getting things back in motion and see how long the deal is and see if the two parties agree to a deal that is best for both of them and maybe changes a couple things. A couple things that in particular they've been talking about is like the luxury tax threshold. What's that going to be like? Minimum salaries. Um, also arbitration has been a, been a big point of emphasis. The MLB is not going to make any changes to that. Um, the players union has proposed allowing players to get to arbitration after two years rather than three years, which the league has been, holding steadfast and saying they, they won't get to that point and also revenue sharing. That's, that's another big point of emphasis. So if you take a look at what's caused the lockout, it's these three main issues is luxury tax threshold, along with minimum salaries, arbitration, how long should it, or should it not be? And then revenue sharing, you know, players with revenue sharing players want to see less money move through the system and it believes it goes too far in keeping teams afloat without having to invest in players, which could affect in something like minimum salaries and it can affect something like the luxury tax threshold probably. And the MLB, speaking of those two things, they made an offer of increases. They kept on increasing it and increasing it. But to the players, it was not good enough, and they wanted a little bit more. And again, with arbitration the MLB, they have been really holding tight and saying, no, we won't let arbitration get to two years instead of three years. So those are the three big issues between the two parties that has kind of separated both of them into having this lockout take place late last night, early in the morning. And so, now we're in a lockout stage with the MLB. We're going to see how long it's going to take. Again, it's been 26 years since the last lockout. And we'll have to see if this affects the league going forward, if this is something that's going to affect the league in a bad way like the last lockout did, or if it's not going to hurt it in a bad way at all. So, A lot of them will be stuff to get to with all this stuff going on today with the free agency, with all these deals, with all these players wanting to get these deals done before the lockout and then having the actual lockout. So, a lot of stuff going on in the world of baseball. So, there's a little baseball talk. Now, let's switch gears and let's go over. Let's talk some college football and... I don't know if you guys know this, but boy, did college football, have they given us something to talk about this week. And I, for one, as a Tennessee fan, am really glad my team is not on the coaching search side of things this year. I am so thankful for that. And just excited to see all this other chaos going on that isn't concerning my team. We're just sitting over here and you got everything, you know, getting chaotic. Whether it's with Notre Dame, Oklahoma, LSU, USC, I mean, <laughs> it has been a wild week. And really the thing that kind of started this was uh with all the coaching news coming out was really a big one with one of the big jobs was with Florida and was with Billy Napier. You know who was considered for several jobs last year. Who was probably in that pool that Tennessee was looking at? Had a really good year at Louisiana last year with the Raging Cajuns. Had a pretty good year this year, and there's a lot of good jobs open this year. And he goes and takes the Florida one. Now we'll have to see how this one works with Florida, and uh, see how he does recruiting wise. Again, it's a going to be a big step up. Going from Louisiana and coaching that team in that conference to coaching Florida and the SEC and the SEC having to play against Georgia every year, having to play a cross rival in LSU every year, and on the off chance having to play Alabama. And if A and M continues to stock up recruiting wise, you got to worry about them as well on that side. And I mean, if my balls start to if Hypo is definitely the guy and just by looking at the first year, looking pretty good. You got to be worried about that. And also, a Kentucky team that Mark Stoops has just re-upped with with a new extension, he's building a solid program up in Lexington. So there's a lot of things for him to be worried about that he didn't have to be in with Louisiana. So it's a big change. It's a big step up for him. We'll have to see how he handles it. But from stuff I've read, the guy's a hard worker. He recruits his butt off. And uh, I'll be curious to see who he brings in as his assistant coaches. I did see a report uh, when when they made the hire that he was looking at the Oklahoma State defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles, who's done a really excellent job with that defense this year. So that would be a pretty good hire for him. But we'll just have to see how this goes. Now, if you want the... Tennessee fan me that is not objective at all. Uh, this hire doesn't really necessarily scare me, at all. It it, it doesn't. I, I I like our coach a little bit more. That again, that just may be the fan me that's not objective here. But we'll have to see how Florida fans take to it after uh, in uh, in year one for him and how he gets adjusted and how he handles it again it's a big step up going from the job he was at for the last few years to this job where he's facing again a Georgia team that's been really good every year an LSU team that has just made a big time hire facing them every year facing Kentucky who's been steadily on the rise and maybe and hopefully for my sake with my team if this coach is the right guy and then There's a lot of other, there's a lot of things for him to be worried about. And he's got to be worried about the fan base as well. I mean, because the Florida fan base is a crazy fan base. So we'll have to see how that goes. Among some of the other hires that we have had, we're going to get to the big ones here in a little bit here. Um, Next up, Virginia Tech was one that was open. uh, With Justin Fuente getting let go. And they go up to Penn State. And they go and get their defensive coordinator, Brent Pry, who I know Peter's made several mentions about, saying that he's glad that he's not going to be there for the Franklin 10-year extension that he got. So (laughs) I guess there's that, but he's going to get a shot at coaching Virginia Tech in the ACC. Really good defensive coordinator out there. Probably the Penn State defense was the only good thing about it, and probably Peter would tell you the same thing, uh, along with Jahan Dotson for them. So For Virginia Tech, maybe you can get back to your defensive roots with with Beamer back in the day. So maybe you can get back to some of those roots with the kind of defense that he runs. And hopefully it goes well for Virginia Tech. Uh, They were... They struggled this year, and that was obviously one one of the reasons why Fuente was let go. So just need a new new mind in place as the head man, and uh want we'll to see what pride brings to the Virginia Tech job. Next up, we had the Washington job open. I know there are a lot of rumors about whether Brian Harzen at Auburn could be somebody that could spurn Auburn after a year and go up and take this job. But that did not happen. As in fact, the Fresno State head coach, Kalen DeBoer, has gone to Washington, and it looks like he's taking his quarterback with them, uh, Jake Haner who has had a really good year, who could have a chance, who could have had a chance to go into the draft. He's going into the transfer portal, and it looks like he's going up to join his head coach at Washington. Hayner, of course, uh, was originally at Washington, but you know, transferred out, goes to Fresno State, does well here, does well there, and now looks like he's going back to Washington. Uh, Guess like a full circle kind of thing, right there. So Washington, they get their man, and they also get a quarterback that can be really good for them going forward next year. So there's that job, and let's get on to the big ones. I don't know which one to start with first. So I guess let's start with the one where the team that lost their coach hasn't hired their coach yet, and we'll talk about them and go from there. So the big news that came down pretty much this weekend was one that I don't think is an understatement at all or an overstatement. I think it's pretty accurate is that Lincoln Riley leaves Oklahoma and goes to USC. Holy crap. I imagine this was not a name that was on many people's list of coaches thinking that they would go to USC, that he'd probably stay at Oklahoma. He's got a good thing going. He's got a nice young quarterback in Caleb Williams. He's doing really well there. He's got awesome recruiting classes coming in. In the future, 2023, with uh, Malachi Nelson and a couple others. And so, like, there's no chance. And the deal didn't, from what Lincoln Riley has said, what others have said, this did not happen until pretty much late Saturday night and pretty much into some of the early hours of Sunday. And this was, like, hours after Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Hours after Bedlam, and it's again, it's a proper statement to say this is this is going to send shockwaves because now I think you can say USC is looking like they're on the upper trend to being back into being that program. I mean, and listen, if you guys look at this, if you look at the top quarterbacks from the last few years. DJ Ui Angulale, even though he didn't have a good year last year. He's from California. Bryce Young, a Heisman candidate this year at Bama. He's from California. CJ Stroud, an awesome year for Ohio State. He's from California. So you're seeing all of these California quarterbacks not staying in state. When normally that did not happen when USC was up. And when USC was big and was just like this powerhouse. That did not happen. And over the last few years, you've had some of these other guys go to other places. Like Young to Alabama. Like DJ to Clemson. Stroud to Ohio State. And several others that I'm not even thinking about right now. That is going to change with Lincoln Riley. That is definitely going to change. Cause he's got a track record at Oklahoma. If you've seen what he's done with Jalen Hurts, with Tyler Murray, and with Baker, and you saw it in some big time spurts with Caleb Williams, and in some spurts with Spencer Rattler, the guy can coach quarterbacks. He can get he can he can get quarterbacks to the NFL. And one of the things USC pride themselves on when they were really good is having these really good quarterbacks helming the team and eventually going on to the NFL. And most of the time, those quarterbacks helped making this team great Carson Palmer, Matt Leiner, just to name a couple. And now you're Lincoln Riley. You got some quarterbacks that of to work with Jackson Dart, pretty good freshman quarterback. We have to see if he brings in anybody for this year's class. Uh, Malachi Nelson, no big surprise of him decommitting from Oklahoma and him going to USC. So he's already got somebody for 2023. But I think you're going to see a really drastic effect with the California recruits. And that you're going to see a lot of them stay and stay. particularly the offensive recruits, the wide receivers, the running backs, the quarterbacks you're going to see a lot of those skill position players start to stay in state because of the offense Lincoln Riley runs. And it's been proven. He's had an excellent offense at Oklahoma. And so you have to start to wonder if that is really going to start to build a wall around the LA area or and or just thinking bigger here, the California area, the whole state to where it's going to be tough for like Oregon in the last several years have gone into California and taken kids. Kayvon Thibodeau is one of them. I know he's not an offensive recruit, but doesn't happen if Lincoln Riley's in town. Uh, Alex Grinch, his defense coordinator, is an excellent recruiter as well, and he's bringing them with him. Maybe that doesn't happen. But you have Oregon coming in taking kids. Washington. You have UCLA coming in and getting kids, which normally probably would have gone to USC. I don't think that's going to happen now. I think you're going to start to see Lincoln Riley have a chokehold on that area and a lot of the state of California and getting the guys that he wants, particularly on offense. Well, I'd see about the defensive side first. Maybe again, Grinch is a great recruiter, maybe get some to come to California, but on the offensive side, you're going to see a lot of those guys stay in state. A lot of those five-star kids from California a lot of times you could pretty much pencil them in, to to places like USC. Over the past few years, you could. not Now you probably can. I, another one just come to mind: Najee Harris. Does Najee go to Alabama, or does he stay at U? Does he go to USC? That's a good question to to ponder about. And so that's a huge move for USC. And again. It's not an understatement. It's not an overstatement. It's properly accurate to say that this move is is going to make shockwaves around college football because now, if Lincoln riley has got USC back in it, the Pac-12 has a shot to get into the playoff, whether it expands or not. He definitely has a chance to get them back to, to that place to where they are prominent year in and year out.
1: But going over to the other side, the Oklahoma. I can relate to Oklahoma a little bit, with something like this happening.
0: Flashback to the Lane Kiffin situation. I can I can exactly relate to this situation, seeing what happened with Lane Kiffin and him bolting <laughs> for USC as well. So, you look at all the all the stuff coming out about this about. Uh, one of Oklahoma's coaches was also recruiting for USC and was talking to them. That has some kind of familiarity to me with Lane Kiffin and with Coach O, as much as we love him here on the pod. That's something that indeed went down there when Kiffin bolted for USC. And also something that happened. You had a lot of kids change their minds, whether it was to go to USC or go to someplace different. You had a lot of... Kids, whether they were on the team or recruits, say, "I'm not coming to Tennessee. I'm going to USC, or I'm going to this place." And you're starting to see that with Oklahoma a lot now. Things may settle down once they have a coach. That indeed may be a thing. But this is this is definitely giving me some Kiffin bolting Tennessee for USC vibes. All these years later, and I've seen people say like, "Oh, this is." It's been like such a huge freaking thing, that you know, the probably the craziest and chaotic thing to happen in college football, as far as like coaches leaving like this. I point to my teams like, did you guys not remember what happened with that? <laughs> but they, uh, there's a lot of similarities here between between some of the two. The difference is, I think you know. The games are done with Tennessee, but the games are not done with Oklahoma. They still had some stuff going on.
1: So, now you got to wonder, are all
0: these players that are leaving, whether it's the recruits or whether via transfer portal, because uh, there's a lot of good players that have decided to rescind their commitment to Oklahoma going forward. So we'll have to see, and we'll have to see when they hire a new coach. And we still don't know who that new coach is going to be. We we have no clue at all. It may be somebody like Brent Venables, whose name has been out there a lot, who has connections to Oklahoma. And you know this would be a big-time head coaching job for him to take after spurning a lot of others throughout the years. Be a big one to take. You also got Frank Beamer from South Carolina who had a pretty good year with that program. Luke Fickle's out there. But he's still coaching right now. The main thing for Oklahoma here is you cannot, you cannot screw this up. You have to nail this higher. You
1: absolutely have to. I mean, listen, I get it. The
0: hiring, of any, football coach is important. But, given a program like Oklahoma that hasn't had anything like this happen to them in decades, and with them about to enter the SEC, you gotta nail this hire. You gotta nail this one right on the head. Whether it's somebody like Venables or Fickle. Beamer, I don't think gets it done. If it's Beamer then I'm worried about
1: Oklahoma. But you got to nail this higher
0: you're Oklahoma. If you're coming this close to going into the SEC, you have to get this right. You absolutely have to. And hopefully, some of these guys that are thinking about leaving via transfer portal or whether they decommitted, maybe you get some of them back. You re-recruit them and you get them back and they go forward with the new guy. So we'll have to see who they hire. And, you know, speaking of the whole SEC thing with Lincoln Riley, listen, you know what, I don't blame him. He wasn't a fan of it, and he wants to go to a place where he knows he can definitely win for sure, and it's at a prestige Blue Blood program. And it's in a place where you you really would like to live at, and live in 365 days out of the year. So you know what? I don't blame him. You know? It's a very smart move. You can call him a coward for saying he wants to avoid the SEC all he wants. But if if he knows he doesn't want to go there, he, there's a program open up at USC. Good to weather all year round. You can bring a blue blood back to prominence. Shoot. Take it. I would probably take it. But I think... It, how I would take it in the way that he took it, I would probably go about a little bit differently. It's the same thing with Kiffin. I think a lot of time when we get mad at these coaching changes, it's about like how it happens. And, you know, there's probably some Notre Dame fans that weren't happy with the way Brian Kelly left them. And there are definitely some Oklahoma fans that are not happy with the way Lincoln Riley left them. But all in all, I can't blame the man for deciding to do that. Go to go bring USC a prominent program and bring it back up to the place that a lot of USC fans think it deserves to be, up at the top, and live in a place that has great weather all year round, and is a recruiting hotbed. I can't blame them for that. So, there's that hire with Lincoln Riley to USC. And speaking of Notre Dame, let's talk about this job with Notre Dame losing Brian Kelly to LSU. And this is a big time hire by LSU. Big time hire by LSU. And you know, I was thinking about how long Brian Kelly was at Notre Dame. Because I was trying to line it up with how, uh, with like when Butch was there, when he went to Tennessee. I'm just trying to line it all, all up. 12 years. He became Notre Dame's winningest coach in those 12 years. This is one that came out of the blue. And when I saw it was being rumored and reported, I'm like, well, well, crap. LSU's swinging for a home run here. And they swung and got, got a home run. They got a grand slam of a higher, I think. And you get him for 10 years. Well, let's we'll see if that's going to be for 10 years exactly. Maybe it's, you know, again, he's at Notre Dame 12 years. Maybe he's there for 10 years. Worth $9.5 million per year. So $95 million. Big contract. You got incentives to include into that. And. Maybe he just wanted to change. I think maybe he just wanted to change. And going to LSU has definitely changed. You got a lot of that's a good place to recruit to. You're in the SEC. You are going to have to go against Bama every year. And so maybe for Brian Kelly, who hasn't had success playing against Bama with Notre Dame players, maybe you recruit at a place like LSU and coach those players up. Maybe you do have a shot to beat them then. Maybe you do have a shot. I don't know. We'll have to see. When when the stuff happens next year. But this is a big time hire for LSU. Of course, there's a lot of rumors about them trying to go after Lincoln Riley. And Napier could have been a guy that they could have looked at being a guy that's down the road. But they go for Brian Kelly. They swing for him, who who's two hundred and sixty-three career wins. There's a the third boss among active. FBS head coach is only behind Mac Brown. And speaking of Alabama, Nick Saban. He's only behind those two. But he's going to LSU, and it's a good high for LSU. But expectations are going to be high for LSU, where the last three coaches that have coached there have each won a national title in their scent there. Saban did it, Les Miles did it, and Coach O did it. Now Brian Kelly has got to do it in his tenure or otherwise LSU fans are, they're going to let him know they're going to let him know. And also the thing to talk about with this job is Ryan Kelly hasn't gotten any of his Notre Dame assistants to go with him. That Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator, he's staying on and you got several others staying on. And so what you probably thought was like a, Oh, like, Oh crap is going to be a, Oh, very worse and worrisome period of time for Notre Dame, looking like it's not going to be and it looks like it's going to be stable considering the hire they just made for head coach last night. And that is elevating defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman to head coach. And Brian Kelly was going to bring Freeman along. He was prepared to make him the highest paid defensive coordinator in the country. And Notre Dame could have gone in a lot of directions. They probably could have waited and gone after Luke Fickle. Because I would imagine this would be a type of job that Luke Fickle would definitely look at and consider. And think it's a step up because it is Notre Dame. But Notre Dame decides they want to go with a guy that's an up-and-comer. That, speaking of Fickle, was coaching with them in 2020 at Cincinnati, and was a great defensive coordinator. And Notre Dame, they go and hire him. And while they struggled a little bit at times, they really came on during the season. And now Notre Dame makes him the head coach. And it certainly is a gamble. He is a really young coach. He is 35. And he only became an assistant coach not too long ago. He became an assistant coach not too long ago. And so to him to take the step off this quick is going to be huge for them. But here's the thing about him. He's not only a good defensive coach, he's also an excellent recruiter. And and there's been lots of talk about you know, Notre Dame's class. Maybe if they don't make this type of hire, they lose some of the guys. That are in their class, but with a guy like Freeman still sticking on becoming the head man, I think you're gonna you're gonna be able to keep a lot of those guys there in your recruiting class. So this is a big step up, especially for your first time job at 35, with only becoming an assistant coach only a few years ago. It's a big step up, and I. It's a big job. The Notre Dame job is a big job. But I think having some of those assistants that could have gone to LSU with Brian Kelly, but them staying there, there's going to be some good continuity in that staff that's going to be staying there. And so you don't have to worry about a whole lot. You pretty much got the same people with you this this upcoming season. and, And... those are the same people you worked with last year. So there's some continuity there, and that can only be beneficial to Marcus To Marcus Freeman. It only can be beneficial to him. So that's where college coaching, that's where that carousel is headed these last few days. It's been a wild ride. It's been chaotic, and we still don't even know who the Oklahoma coach is going to be. Like, it is wild. Like, I was, I saw this tweet which talked about, like, over the last couple of years, you've seen seven of college football's top 20 in all-time wins opening in these last couple of cycles. And with this cycle, you had Notre Dame, Oklahoma, USC, LSU, Virginia Tech, Washington, Florida. All these jobs are opened up. You almost had Nebraska too. Who's up there? You had Texas, Tennessee, and Auburn open last year too. Just all these programs, their jobs have been opened up here within the last couple of coaching cycles. Been absolutely crazy. And also seeing the the deals these coaches are getting. Ryan Kelly getting ten years, ninety-five million. Lincoln Riley getting a massive deal for his. It, which it looks like it's upwards to 100 million. Just absolutely crazy. You have to start to wonder if those are going to be the norm, especially if you're going, swinging for big coaches like these guys. You have to wonder if that's going to be the norm. But, boy, just what a wild cycle it has been here in the last few days. Just what a wild ride it's been. So, with all that being said, let's continue our talk with college football, and let's talk about some of the stuff that happened over the weekend that isn't coaching, that isn't the coaching care. So let's talk about the new rankings. Let's run them down week 13. We have, let's see. I got to make sure these are updated. Okay. They're not. I had to make sure they still had week 13 on here. We're in week 14. It's kind of crazy that we're in week 14 already. We're at this point in the season, but taking a look at, at this new batch of rankings, Texas A&M drops 10 spots, losing to LSU and moving to 25. Louisiana going, coming in at number 24. Kentucky at 23. Arkansas jumping three spots to 22, along with Houston and Clemson. Both of them jumping up three spots as well at 21 and 20. San Diego State jumping up to two spots to 19. NC State, two spots to 18. Utah, two spots to 17. Wake Forest, two spots to 16. And Pitt, two spots to 15. Oklahoma, with their loss Oklahoma State, drops four spots to 14. Iowa moves up three spots to 13. BYU goes up one spot to 12. Michigan State, one spot to 11. Oregon, one spot to 10. Baylor, even though they won last week against Texas Tech, drops a spot to nine. Ole Miss dropping, uh, going up a spot to eight. Ohio State with their loss last week, which we'll talk about here in a minute, dropping to number seven, dropping five spots. Notre Dame staying at six. Oklahoma State staying at number two. And the only big changes in the rankings is Michigan jumping up three spots to number two with Georgia. Still taking the top spot. Alabama at number three. And Cincinnati at number four. And that sets the stage for conference championship weekend. And it should be a fun one. But first, let's talk about the games last week. With uh what I dubbed rivalry week. And we start with Ole Miss and Mississippi State with the Egg Bowl. And Ole Miss comes in to Starkville. They win that game. State had a couple chances there. If it wasn't for drops, it might have been a different ball game. But State, they lose this game at home to Ole Miss. And Ole Miss, 10-2 record. Best first ever 10-win season by Ole Miss. And so I know that's a huge accomplishment for don't Miss players, coaches, and fans down, down there, down in Oxford, and around the area. So I know that's a huge, big deal for them. North Carolina and North Carolina State. This was a fun one. This was a fun one on
1: on Friday. And –
0: Boy, 34-30, to 30. NC State, couple big plays late by NC State, but them scoring, like, what, 14 points in, like, less than 30 seconds? Just absolute insanity for college football. That's what college football's all about right there. And NC State, they win 34-30 and beat their in-state rival. We'll get to the big Ohio State-Michigan game here. Later on in the meantime, Georgia at Georgia Tech, Georgia rolled Georgia Tech, Alabama and Auburn. This game
1: was, I could not believe what
0: was going on in this game with Alabama trailing when they, and when they did. With what happened in that fourth quarter, Auburn up 10. We're just blitzing the crap out of Alabama all night. They did that well for about 59 minutes. But he needed to do it for 60. And that last minute, Alabama became Alabama and scored a touchdown late. Of course, they go into overtime. Each team matches up in those first two overtimes. And then you got the overtimes where he's had to go for two. Alabama gets theirs. Auburn has to go down to get theirs and go tie it up. They don't get it. Alabama wins 24-22. to Auburn just came up that short. But props to Alabama and Bryce Young. Really had a good comeback in the second half. And especially on that drive to lead the Crimson Tide to get that touchdown to send this game into overtime. So that was a big game for him. But Alabama, they get the win there, and they win the Iron Bowl this year. But again, they, these games at Auburn seem a lot closer than than they do at uh, Tuscaloosa sometimes. Oregon State and Oregon. Big matchup here between in-state rivals. Oregon gets the win here. But uh, Oregon State's been really good this year, so they've been a surprise to me. Penn State and Michigan State. Michigan State gave what Peter wanted. Them beating Penn State like this. And uh, talk about a snowy atmosphere, guys. This game, it was tough to see anything. It was not helping that Penn State was wearing all white for this game. I know it's their road uniforms, but if you know it's snowing that much, maybe try to see if Michigan State was like, hey, can we we wear our home uniforms for this one so... (laughs) So, you know, with the snow, it doesn't confuse anybody and we can see better. But Michigan State wins by three points, thirty to 27 Kent Walker having a really good game to close out this year and we'll have to see if he's going to be uh, one of the Heisman finalists. I have to imagine he will be uh, with the type of year that he's had. So, we'll have to see when those get announced. Next up, Tennessee at Vanderbilt. I want this game to be a lot higher scoring for my guys than it was. I want it to be a lot lower scoring than it was for Vanderbilt. No way that Hail Mary should have happened at the end of the first half. No way. Absolutely inexcusable. But the Sumitale for Tennessee, listen, good year, 7-5. You beat the teams that you needed to beat. You're going to a bowl this year. What more can you ask for? You had one of the best scoring offenses in the country finished around the top 10 or in the top 10. And listen, nothing but good things for uh, for this team. I hope in the future with things that are going on with them, I hope this is the start of a good run for Heupel there, but Tennessee gets to win that Vanderbilt. Wisconsin at Minnesota. Wisconsin, they they've been on a hot streak pretty much from what the 4th 5th game of the season on. And they've been really good since. And they run into Minnesota last week at Minnesota, and they get one, of their, one of their first losses since the earliest parts of the season, and lose twenty-three to thirteen at Minnesota. So PJ Fleck gets a win there over a top fifteen ranked team. a at LSU. I was so happy Coach O got the win here. I was so happy Coach O. <laughs> Won his final game at LSU. We got one more. Go Tigers from him. It, it, it was just. And that was a wild ending as well. With the, the touchdown late. There from LSU. Just a wild ending. I'm so happy he got his win there. I'm so happy. And that means there are 13 SEC teams. That are going bowling. I think if I saw this right. There can uh only be 82 teams that are participating in bowl season. But there are 83 that are eligible. Somebody's getting left out. Somebody's getting left out, and I can guarantee you, they won't be happy. So, curious who that will be. Next up, we got Bedlam. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. And, I mean, the stuff for Oklahoma after this game was bedlam with all the coaching stuff. But Oklahoma State, they win a big-time game against Oklahoma, 37-33. Oklahoma State is not really consistent when playing Oklahoma, but on Saturday night they were. That defense showed up when it needed to. And they're going to be playing the Big 12 championship game. So props to Oklahoma State. And then finally, the game at the big house, Ohio State and Michigan. This is the Michigan team that Michigan fans and that hardball has been waiting for to knock off Ohio State, and they showed up Saturday afternoon. With some snow coming down, they showed up. Hassan Haskins running the ball down Ohio State's throat, having an awesome game that Michigan defense making impact plays when it needed to, especially Aiden Hutchinson. Getting three sacks against this Ohio State offense. Awesome game from him. And Michigan, Harbaugh, there's no telling how much Harbaugh needed this win. And he finally gets it. After so long, he finally gets it. He knocks off Ohio State. He's going to the Big Ten Championship game, and he might have just knocked off Ohio State and, and preventing them from getting into the playoffs this year. This is a big-time win for him. It definitely saves his job, because, again, the only game that pretty much matters for these two teams is this game at the end of the year, and bragging rights for one whole year. And now Michigan, they get bragging rights for one whole year, and try to see if they can do it again at at the horseshoe next year. But this is a big win for Harbaugh, a huge win for him and his legacy as the Michigan coach, as the Michigan man, the guy that Michigan fans hoped would bring Michigan back into relevance. And he struggled against Ohio State for so long, could not overcome the hump to beat the Buckeyes. But on Saturday afternoon, that's what they did, winning 42-27. to So that's a huge win there for Harbaugh and for Michigan as they knock off Ohio State and they knock them down a few spots in the rankings so that is week 13 in the books let's talk about week 14 and let's talk about conference championship week yes here we are this season guys has flown by so freaking quick so freaking quick but yet, here we are with the conference championship weekend with a couple starting on Friday night. And that's where we're going to start with our picks here. That's where we're going to start on we're gonna start with Friday. We got Western Kentucky playing University of Texas San Antonio, who just suffered their first defeat last year or last week and is now not among the ranks of the unbeaten. Now there's only two teams, Cincinnati and Georgia, and that could very well change by the end of this weekend too. So right now, Western Kentucky is sitting at a,
1: a favorite in some spots.
0: Can UTSA bounce back? You know what? I'm going to give Western Kentucky the benefit out here. I'm going to go give them the victory. Uh, Just looking at this Western Kentucky offense, they are really good. They put up a lot of stats and put up a lot of points. Uh, Zappi, their quarterback. I mean, these stats are insane. Like, let me just pull them up for you guys. I'm looking at them right now. These are nuts. So, looking at his stats for this year, 70% completion percentage, which... While nearly 5,000 passing yards, 52 touchdowns, only nine interceptions.
1: This guy's been unbelievable this year.
0: So, you know, give me the Hilltoppers of Western Kentucky here to knock off the Roadrunners of UTSA to win Conference USA. Next up, we got the Pac 12. Title game between Oregon and Utah. And this should be a fun one for tomorrow night. It should be a fun one. Now, if we take a look at their schedules, they've not had to play, they've not played each other. Well, actually, they have had to play each other a couple weeks ago at Utah. Utah won that matchup 38-7. So Oregon is looking at trying to get some revenge here in the Pac-12 title game. Can they exact some revenge here? It is going to be... Is, yes, it's going to be a neutral site game. I had, to make, I had to make sure that it wasn't going to be a game where Utah was going to be hosting. I think... I feel good enough that I will take Utah again and they'll sweep the season series and they'll win the Pac-12 title. Big 12, let's move on to the games happening on Saturday. We got number 9 Baylor at number 5 Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State wins here if things happen on Saturday. If you get like you no, know, Alabama losing or maybe you get Cincinnati losing
1: or maybe Michigan losing.
0: Maybe you find yourselves in the college football playoff if you win here, but only if you win. For Baylor, I don't know if they'll have a good shot
1: at getting in. Probably not.
0: But this is a huge one for Oklahoma State, and let's see what the line is for this one. Oklahoma state right now looking like a really good favorite. I think I'm going to take the Cowboys. I think I am. I think I'm going to take the Cowboys to upset or to knock off the Baylor Bears here and uh win the Big 12 title and see if they have a shot to get into the college football playoffs by the end of Saturday. Next up we have the MAC Championship. Let's get some action into the podcast. Think probably for the first time, all season, Kent State at Northern Illinois. This is one of the earlier games too. Right now, Kent State sitting at seven and five, but a six and two conference record. Northern Illinois, the Huskies, sitting with an eight and four record and a six and two conference record as well. Right now, in some cases. Kent State is looking like the favorite in this matchup. And taking a look at Kent State, they've been pretty good in their last five games, winning four out of five. And they beat Northern Illinois a few weeks back, 52-47. to So, I think I'll take Kent State. I'll take, I think I'll take... The Golden Flashes. I didn't know that they were called that. So I'll take Kent State here to win the MAC championship. Next up, let's go to the Mountain West and talk Utah State and San Diego, San Diego State matching up against one another. San Diego, Diego State, one of the best teams in the country with one of the better records, sitting at 11 1. And right now, I have to imagine San Diego State's a pretty good favorite in this game. Yeah, they they are. I feel good enough about taking San Diego State, but we'll have to see what Utah State brings. Utah State could probably surprise some people here. So, we'll uh, we'll have to see here, but give me give me San Diego State here. Give me the Aztecs. Next up, we got the Sunbelt Conference with Appalachian State and Louisiana. I doubt Napier's going to be coaching in this game. Maybe he is. Maybe he's going to be coaching this team and then going to head off to Florida after this game. So, we'll have to see. But, nonetheless, they're in this title game. I had to imagine it. It's probably going to be pretty much split down the line between these two as to who's favorite and who's not. Right now, I'm seeing Appalachian State's a pretty good favorite. So, I, I could imagine that with all the distractions with Louisiana, with all that's happened in the last week, I think I'll take Appalachian State. I think I will. So, give them the knockoff Louisiana. I'll leave the SEC championship for last. I'll um, get to this other game here. USC at California. This is a makeup game for from earlier in the season that both teams didn't get to play due to COVID stuff happening. So just kind of like a, I guess kind of like a meaningless game here at the end uh, of the season. But maybe the, the vibes around USC has changed a little bit. Maybe it has so. Uh, screw it! Give me the Trojans here. I'll I'll take them. Uh. So there we go. Take knocking. Being the California Golden Bears there at their place, I think. So let's go on to the some of the bigger ones. The ACC Championship. Number fifteen Pittsburgh at or playing against number sixteen Wake Forest. And this is going to be, this should be a fun one between these two programs. Wake Forest, a really good offense. Pitt having a really good year with Kenny Pickett having an awesome year himself. There should be a fun, high-scoring game. The over, over and under is 71 and a half. I remember saying on an earlier game, take the over and smash on the over. But I'm, I'm not going to suggest that this week. I learned my lesson let, that time. So do whatever with that over under. Right now, Pitt is looking like they're a pretty good favorite. Wake Forest has had a couple of losses here recently. North Carolina and Clemson here a while back. I'll take Pitt. I'll take Pitt the to win the ACC championship and maybe get in the New Year's Six Bowl game. So there you go. The AAC, the American Athletic Conference Championship, 21 Houston for Cincinnati. This is the final big test for Cincinnati to get into the playoffs. This is it. This is the big one. And Houston, again, won the better teams in the AAC. Cincinnati had to face SMU a couple weeks back, who was one of the other better teams in that conference. Handled them pretty easily. And that was a huge test for Cincinnati then. This is a huge one for them now. If they win, I definitely think they're in. If they don't, they're out. And right now, Cincinnati, they're looking like a good favorite over Houston. This should be a fun one. And I think this is at Cincinnati as well. I don't think the American Athletic Conference has a set stadium where they play their conference championship. You know what? Give me the Bearcats. Give me the Bearcats to stay undefeated and get into the playoffs. Next up, we got the Big Ten title game, Michigan at Iowa versus Iowa. I don't know why I put the ats in, in, in the spreadsheet. I don't know why. You guys know I'm getting at. Michigan, Iowa. Iowa gets in due to Wisconsin losing to Minnesota last week. So, Iowa gets a shot at Michigan coming off a huge win. You do have to wonder if there's going to be a hangover for Michigan. And it's going to be a bit of a letdown. And Iowa, they've been really good this year. They, they've they been really good, 10-2, 7-2 in the conference. I I think I'll take Michigan. I think there might be a little bit of a letdown early, but I think Michigan will settle down and take control of this game as they should and uh, win this one and clinch a Big Ten title which would be huge again for Harbaugh and get into the playoff. So give me Michigan there to win against Iowa. And finally, the SEC championship, Georgia Alabama, number one versus number three. If Alabama had that much trouble with Auburn's defense last week, my reasoning is Where are they going to run into on Saturday against Georgia's defense, who's been the best in the country all year, without question? Statistically, and with the players they have, it's starting to look like a vintage Alabama defense
1: from years ago. Question is, could Georgia
0: put up enough points? I think maybe they can. This isn't the same Alabama team as you've seen in years past. I mean if i with tossing out the objective side and bringing my and bringing out my fandom again, I wish this thing could end in a tie in which neither of these teams win, but if I had to pick I think I'm picking Georgia here, I think I'm picking Georgia here, and uh we'll have to see what happens with Alabama in that regard. do they get in as a two loss? do they hope some things? go their way on Saturday who knows but I got Georgia winning the SEC title so that'll do it for college football now let's go over and let's talk some NFL so let's start with the Thanksgiving Day games we had three of them Chicago at Detroit Las Vegas at Dallas and Buffalo at New Orleans so let's start with Detroit and Chicago first, the stinker of the three. Uh, we didn't pick that one because, again, the stinker of three right there. And uh, it definitely was that. I can't believe the NFL forced us to watch this game on Thanksgiving. But Chicago comes away with the win there, 16-14, to with a last-second field goal there by Cairo Santos. And Detroit stays winless. They stay winless. The dream is still alive. Las Vegas at Dallas. Dallas has been on the skid here. You would think they can maybe get back to their normal ways. The carries between Tony Pollard and, and Ezekiel Elliott have been... I don't even know what the word is for it. have been spread out differently in a way you wouldn't expect. Dak, of course, coming back. Had a really good performance in this game. Game goes into overtime. And Vegas just outlasts Dallas. 36-33, 36-33, and Dallas is on a bit of a skid here as they head into week 13, so that's not good news for them. Bills at Saints. Bills find their stride again. Bills beat down the Saints 31-6. to So there are the Thanksgiving Day games. Let's talk about some of the other games that we picked or that are just notable in general. Steelers at Bengals. Did the, the Bengals get the Steelers and ever? Oh boy, they gave them a beatdown, an absolute beatdown. Again, I'm pretty sure Peter enjoyed this so much. Forty-one to ten, Cincinnati looking really good for the Bengals right there. And right now they are sitting at seven and four right there. Pittsburgh now five and five and one. So. Cincinnati, they're looking really good at the right time. Next up, we have Tampa Bay and Indianapolis. This game was close. Tom Brady struggled a little bit in this game. He wasn't even the passing leader for this game. That was Carson Wentz with 306 yards, three touchdowns, and two picks. Tom Brady just average Dave by his standards, 226, one touchdown, one interception. The man carrying the Buccaneers, though, was Leonard Fournette, scoring four touchdowns, three rushing, one catching, 17 carries, 100 yards even on the day. And the Buccaneers go into Indianapolis and win this one 38-31. A huge one for Tampa Bay right there. Next up, we have New England and Tennessee. Listen, props to my team for coming in and playing hard. Just wasn't enough. You, I mean, you, got, you have to practice squad playing on Sunday. And so, New England, they come in there, they stay hot, and they're near the top of the AFC now. As the uh, Titans now, they're off on a much needed. Bye week. I don't know if I've ever been this excited for a bye week, and uh, for my teams ever. So thankful for this bye week that is now here. So hopefully some of those players can get healthy. Chargers at Broncos. I really didn't know what to expect with this one. With uh, with me picking it last week. No, I'm. I picked the Broncos, and the Broncos didn't pull out the victory. You know, I kind of just, you know, expect the Chargers to come in and win this game. But Denver, they hold strong. Teddy gets hurt in this game. He comes back, and Denver holds on 28 to 13. And right now, Denver, they are facing Kansas City next week, and a lot of stuff can be on the line, including the AFC West, so let's see how that goes. Next up, we got Rams at Packers. Rams have been on a bit of a skid as well, and they're going into Green Bay, hoping and looking to end that skid, and that did not happen this week as Green Bay wins 36-28 to here with Aaron Rodgers having a really good day, Stafford having a pretty decent day, uh passing and rams they just they try to come back late then they just couldn't pull it off scoring 11 points in the fourth quarter just was not enough as they fall to seven and four packers sitting at nine and three when the top teams in the nfc along with the cardinals and uh you can't help but wonder if the rams with all these players they added. Um, I know Troy Aitman has said some statements about a super team doesn't work in the NFL, and uh, right now it's it's looking like that. The Rams, they've been uh, on a skid right now. And so they go into Green Bay, and they lose this one, and they got they got a big one coming out this weekend to try to end this skid. You know They got to find a way to end this skid here pretty soon, or else they're going to keep on falling. So moving on from that game, We got the Vikings at 49ers. Talking about a wild game here in this one in which Dalvin Cook goes down. So that's something to keep an eye on for the Vikings for fantasy and all that good stuff. But the 49ers, they go and win this game at home. They have not had a good home record this year. And I believe this is only their second win at home all season long. So good for them. And they get the win here over the Vikings. And win 34-26 to 26 at their home stadium. Next up, we have a Sunday night game. Baltimore, Cleveland. This game got wild here. Lamar th- throwing a couple picks on back-to-back drives. Throwing four picks in general. And overcoming those, I mean, is no easy feat. And they knock off Cleveland to 6-6. Six and six. They're at top of the AFC now at 8-3. and three. So, Ravens, they overcome a bad game by their standards. And they pull it out. Like, I mean, it, it seems like the picks were in turnovers, and like back and forth it seemed like at one point. But Ravens, they overcome four Lamar Jackson interceptions. And they win that one. Seattle at Washington. Seattle, Russell Wilson, they do not look the same. And right now Seattle's not headed for a good record. But Washington, they're feisty. They're feisty. And probably a lot of that has to be due to their quarterback and Taylor Heineke having a pretty decent day there for the Washington football team as they're sitting now at five and six. And with Dallas having this skid as of late, I mean, anything's possible in the NFC East. So, everybody, that was week number 12. Let's head on over and talk about week number 13. Starting tonight with Cowboys at Saints. Speaking of the Cowboys. Cowboys on the skid. Saints on the skid as well. Who's going to end it tonight? Which team is going to end their losing streak? And we'll have to see. The Saints, they're going to be missing some players. A couple of their linemen, Ryan Ramsek, Taron Armstead. No, Alvin Kamara for them. Tyson Hill is going to be the quarterback. You're going to need Demarcus Lawrence back tonight if you're the Cowboys. Amari Cooper is supposed to be back, but we'll see if he is going to play tonight. Hopefully, C.D. Lamb is in back for the Cowboys. So, you're going to have some players missing this game and some players coming back in this game and see which one of them can end their losing streak. So, with that being said, I think I'm going to roll to Cowboys. The Saints, I think, are just missing too much. Even if the Cowboys don't have a couple of their key players, I think Cowboys have enough. To beat the Saints. So give me the Cowboys here to win. And in their skid. And get back in the win column. Chargers at Bengals. A battle between two of the bright young quarterbacks. In the NFL. Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. It should be a fun one. And right now the Bengals are a slight favorite. And this should be a good QB battle between the two teams. And... Two offenses. I could see the Chargers winning this game. I could. But I could also see it be a type of scenario where they have a chance and they don't do it. You know, Chargers, things happening. So give me the Bengals here. Next up, we have the Buccaneers at Falcons. Buccaneers getting back in the one column after knocking off the Colts last week. Going back on the road against the Falcons. And Tampa right now, they're a huge favorite. Atlanta, they've been struggling, even though the record doesn't really show that. They're 5-6 and six right now, but I think Tampa's just too much of a better team. They're too much of a favorite right now, and they can affect Matt Ryan in so many ways on that defense. So give me the Buccaneers here in this contest. Next up, Cardinals at Bears. Cardinals coming off a bye week last week. And hopefully that helps out with some of their star players with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. Right now, the Cardinals are around a 7.5 point favorite. Cardinals seem to be a pretty big favorite in this game. I uh, have to imagine Andy Dalton's going to be starting this game for the Bears. So no Justin Fields for this one. Let's we'll see if Kyler and if uh, DeAndre Hopkins comes back. But if not, I mean, hey, Colt McCoy has put up a couple of good performances for the Cardinals. So I will go and take Arizona here. Get the win off their bye week. Then, then next up, I think I have Chargers and Bengals on here twice. So let's go and pick another game here right off the top. And let's go and. Let's see, which one do I not have on here? Yeah, screw it. Let's let's get chaotic here. Minnesota at Detroit. You know what? I don't have too much to add to this game. I'll take the Vikings here, but I want the Lions to make this one interesting. I want this one to be an interesting NFC North battle, but I'll take the Vikings here, even if there's no Devin Cooker If he's not, if he's playing or if he's not, I'll take the Vikings. Washington at the Raiders here. Washington has been feisty. Las Vegas getting a really key win here for them. As the AFC West is still pretty much open. Still pretty much open. And uh, I think this should be a, a low key. This should be a fun game. Should be a good game. Uh, I will go and take the Raiders here to win this one. I think maybe that win against the Cowboys maybe gave them some confidence that they need it back. And I think they win this one at home. Next up, Ravens and Steelers. I almost don't know what to expect after Lamar's performance last week and Pittsburgh and what they've been up to here lately. It's gonna be tough for me to predict what's happening. I think I'm gonna go with the Ravens, but it's gonna be—I think it's gonna be a wild AFC North matchup here. Where expect the unexpected. It's gonna be wild, and uh, you're gonna have some tempers flare up, maybe. Uh, Some that'll usually happen when some of these teams from the AFC North play each other. So we'll have to see how that goes. 49ers at Seahawks. If you're a Seattle fan, you have to hope this one is the one that gets you back in the win column at home. Maybe Russ is, feel, is starting to feel a little bit better right now. Right now, and, But the 49ers, they've been rock solid on the road, 4-1 on the season. But And Seattle does not look like Seattle right now. So, you know what? I think I will go... And I will take the 49ers here to win this one, and pushing them at seven and five, which you know looking at their record right now, kind of uh, kind of shocking to me at least. So give me the 49ers here to go to Seattle and win at their place. Broncos at Chiefs. Chiefs coming off their bye week, so hopefully that gets them a l- little bit better with their uh, with their health. And stuff they they got going on. Broncos win this one. can make things interesting. Knock the Chiefs down seven five with the Broncos at seven five themselves. And if the Raiders win, they're sitting at seven five too. And if the Chiefs and the Chargers win, I think they will be at 7-5 as well. So AFC West is gonna be it's gonna be a fun one to watch. It's gonna be a fun division to watch this week as to who comes out on top. Uh, by the end of the week. So I will go and take Kansas city to win this contest, but Denver's been surprising this year. So we'll count them out. And finally, the Monday night game Patriots at bills. Bills suffered a huge loss losing Tredavious white, their best corner for the rest of the season. That's a huge loss for Buffalo. And this is a good test for the Patriots. They're 5-0 on the road. They've been feeling
1: it as of late.
0: Do I go with the Bills here or do I go with the Patriots? Hmm. I imagine the Patriots are going to test out where Travis White would have been. They're going to test that out and see if they can get anything on them. This is a big one for both these teams. Patriots they could cement their status in the AFC East even more and create some separation against Buffalo but Buffalo it gets them right back to the top of the AFC East and knocks the Patriots down to 8-5 with Buffalo 8-4 you know what screw it I might lose this one because the Patriots would probably do this they'll probably win this one but I'll take Buffalo anyway I'll take the bills. So, everybody, that'll do it for the NFL. That'll do it for me here with this pod this week. Thank you guys for listening in. And until next week, we'll talk to you guys next time.